0: All right, for week two of What's Your Problem? We're going to go ahead and dive into the deep end of the pool. I don't know what your problem is, and I don't know what you're facing, but here's what I know about you and your problems. Not because I'm really smart, but because you're human just like me. We all share this truth together, and here it is. Problems push you to God, whether you realize it or not, whether you can make sense of it or not, whether you understand exactly what's going on or not, problems will push you to at least consider God, maybe to confront God, or at least to question. You say, well, I didn't think you were supposed to do that. No. That's a very normal and and human response problems push you to God. And not just for Christians, not just for people who would call themselves believers and followers of Jesus. I would say this is true even for non-believers, for non-Christians, and often it sounds a little bit like, God, if you're there, why don't you do something about this? I mean, even in that frustration, people have been pushed to at least consider God, if not confront or question it. And it could be that many non-Christians, even atheists, have decided that the fact that God has not done something about their problems as evidence for the fact that maybe God doesn't exist at all. And it sounds like, how could a good God exist and all these problems still be happening in the world. If, if there's a God and he's a good God, then why this and why that and why this and why that and all this kind of stuff? And, and there are very good answers to those very good questions. But for our purposes today, I just want to use that as an illustration of the fact that problems push us to God. To consider to confront, to question. In fact, I want to take it one step further and get a little bit more specific. Problems don't just push us to God. I would say problems push you and me and all of us to prayer. Even if you're not a person of prayer, even if you're not a person that knows much about prayer or or tries to pray much, or you're kind of new to the whole idea of prayer, or, or maybe it intimidates you, it really does. Problems push you to prayer. And sometimes that prayer sounds like Why, why is this happening to me? Do you know that why is a form of prayer? Maybe crass, not very eloquent, and sometimes feels a little irreverent, even though it's not, why? I wanna know why. I want answers and when you have a problem that's big enough, long enough, you're gonna wrestle with why. Now, if it's a problem like, I just need to glue that, I need to fix that, I need to change that, you know, and you fix it yourself, I'm not talking about those problems. You've got that figured out. I'm talking about the problems in your life that you're facing that are big enough and for long enough, eventually, your prayer, even though you may not realize that you're pushing, you're, you're being pushed to consider God, you're being pushed to the point of prayer, and you're addressing God, questioning God, confronting God, considering God with, why? It's a very normal and human question. What's interesting about why is that we ask the question assuming that if we had an answer, it would help, don't we? Isn't the assumption there that if I just knew why, that it would, it would help me in this situation? I want you to consider it may actually not help. In fact, it could make it worse. As I have sat with people through the years in the most tragic times of their life, helping them walk through the processes of grieving, as they wrestle with the natural questions, Pastor, I want to know why. Why did God allow this? Why did God do this? Why, 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 why? And they fill in all the blanks with why. I look to them and I'll say things like, well, let's say you had an answer for why. Would you be okay with it? Can you conceive of an answer of why that would make you okay with the fact that they died or that the job was lost or that you still have cancer? No, I I don't think why really helps all that much, even if we knew, even if we knew because it wouldn't change it. In fact, it may make it worse. If you're like me, you're like my personality, and God told me why some of the horrible things in life have happened to me, I think I could figure out a better way to achieve the same thing without letting that happen to me. And I think I'd end up with an argument with God and say, no, 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 no. Let me show you. There was a much easier way. There's a much easier way to do this, God. You got this all wrong. You see, it it may even bring it to a point of frustration. But it's very normal to pray that one word prayer. Why? And maybe that's all the praying that you can do right now. Maybe that's as far as you can go. Maybe you're just there. Why? And sometimes we're pushed to prayer with another word. Help. Again, what a lot of people don't realize is actually a part of prayer. is to say, God, help. Not very eloquent, but it's to the point. In fact, For a lot of us, unfortunately, we wouldn't be praying to begin with if we didn't need or want help. Unfortunately, with our self-sufficiency, we can figure it out ourselves, we do. But not until the point where you are pushed to, God, help, help, help. I can't handle this, God. I can't deal with this anymore, God. Some of you know that feeling? And then it's that moment all too often that that person comes into your life with that gem of a uh, statement. I mean that sarcastically. Well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Isn't that great? Don't you just love that one? Well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. I'm gonna give you something to handle. (laughs) You know, you ever felt like that? You're like, Maybe maybe you're guilty of saying that. That's not a horrible thing to say. It's just not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Jesus didn't say it. You're not gonna find it anywhere in the scriptures that God will never give you more than you can handle. It's not helpful. In fact, it's actually misleading. I don't know anyone who's ever been told when they're going through a great problem in life, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. I've never known anyone to go, well, you know what, you're right. Well, then bring it on with it now. No, it, it doesn't help. First of all, God's not up in heaven sitting at some control board with buttons and levers dishing out stuff. I think you can handle this. Cancer, a car wreck, uh, mm, your dog ran away, uh, you lost your job, you won the mega millions and you can't pay your job. God's not up there doing that. It's not like messing with people with stuff what the scriptures teach us. Yes, God does allow life to happen for reasons which are far above all of our abilities to understand. In fact, we will wrestle with some of that even more next week. But consider this. If you could handle it, whatever your problem is, then you wouldn't need God, now would you? If you could handle it, you wouldn't need God. And if you don't need God, then you'd be God. But then again, let me consider this. The truth is, is that in a sense, you are handling it because you're here still. Like, well, I'm barely here, but you're here. And the truth is that God will never give you more than he can handle. That's the true statement. That's the reality. And the scriptures teach that all throughout. Old Testament, New Testament. That God will never give us more than he can handle through us, in us, on our behalf. But nevertheless, we are pushed to prayer. We're pushed to prayer with a why, God. We're pushed to prayer with a help me. Let's remember that when we are pushed to prayer, what we're pushed to is the talking and the listening. That's what prayer is. The talking and the listening. Engaging God with language and inner desire. Because sometimes you really don't know how to put it in words, right? But you feel it and... Hey, that's very, very big part of prayer. In fact, in Romans chapter 8... Paul goes on and on in, in, in great detail about what happens when you, when you don't even know what to say when you're praying. You don't even know how to put it in the words and how that's a real part of prayer. But this talking and listening to God, that's prayer. Sometimes it's long and sometimes it's short. But it's always meant to be an ongoing conversation. See, it's our problems that push us to that, right? In fact, a lot of us wouldn't be praying if it were not for the problem. That's why the why is actually a good thing when it pushes us to prayer. And the help is a good thing when it pushes us to prayer. Sometimes prayer is meditative and well thought out. Other times it's more manic. It's contemplative. It's not just saying words. Sometimes prayer involves thinking and sitting in silence, pondering. But know this, this talking, listening, it's not for experts. In fact, there are no experts when it comes to prayer. It's for everyone. And we're all kids with a why, with a help, being pushed to consider God. Prayer is also very mysterious when you have problems that are big enough and long enough and you're just like, I just, why God? I just need help in this situation. I don't understand what's going on. It's very mysterious, this whole thing of prayer. I can't fully explain it to you and I don't even fully understand it. And I don't know anyone who can fully explain it or fully understand it. It's not a formula. And much has been written in in good intent. Much has been said about prayer. Prayer. To try to make it kind of compact so we can get our minds around it. Unfortunately, it's presented like a formula say this first, then say this, then say this, then say this. And then if you fold your hands, and here's the church, and here's the steeple, open the door, and there's the people, boom, it works. Except prayer's not a formula. That's why it doesn't work, it's not a product to leverage. Hmm. When Jesus' disciples came to Jesus and said, Can you teach us how to pray? Jesus did not give them a formula to just to say over and over and over and over and over again. What Jesus gave us, and we call it the Lord's Prayer, was an example of the kinds of things to pray for and the kinds of things to pray about. Even that was not a formula. It's very mysterious, and yet it is so powerful Prayer is more powerful than I can explain. Prayer is more powerful than you and I can imagine. Powerful as we see God do what only God can do around us. More specifically, as we experience God doing what only God can do inside of us. That's why, that's why prayer is really about trust. I guess you could say that Prayer is about trusting your way through your problems. It really is. That's that's how you get through it. Last week we talked about how God delivers us through the very things we wish God would have delivered us from. The experience of prayer is learning how to trust God through it, to do something about, yes, and to do something within, within us. The dependency and trust. And that's, that's the hard part. The dependency and the trust. You would think, right? That this prayer, man, you got prayer. I can, I can talk to God. I love this thing. Prayer, Prayer. this is great. If it worked like this, well, I just tell God what I need him to do and boom, like a vending machine, out comes the nabs or the honey bun or whatever it is I punched in and I want that. Every now and then, you may need to shake it a little bit. Now, see, that's not prayer. And when you approach prayer that way, thinking, it's just about getting what I want, getting what I need, even. You miss the biggest part because it's about a trust, trusting your way through it. Let me go back to what we saw last week and then we'll take it one step further when Paul, the apostle, had this problem. We're not quite sure what the problem was. But he wanted God to fix it and he approached God in prayer and he asked God three times to take it away. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, and he says, no, instead, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul goes to God knowing that God is powerful enough and able to fix his problems. That's why we often go to God in prayer and that is absolutely true more than you and I can possibly fathom. God is able to do anything. He can fix all of our problems. So it makes sense to go to him. But what we discover here is what you and I experience as well is that Paul is like, I realized. That God had a bigger agenda in mind. Instead of delivering me from my problems, God wanted to deliver me through my problems and have me trust him to do something inside of me because of my problems. Ain't near as fun or enjoyable of an experience. And yet that's the greater work. Look at it like this. Do you know all of our problems, like we talked about last week, are temporary. All of our problems are temporary. All of them. All of them. I mean, eventually you're going to die, right? Temporary. All of your problems are temporary, but you are eternal. Everyone lives forever somewhere. And so it would make sense that God would leverage temporary problems that we all face to do an eternal work inside of us to invest time and energy into what and who is gonna last forever, and that's people. It's about trust, and I don't like that, and that's hard, and that's a struggle, but you know Paul wasn't the only one, and you and I are not the only one that experienced this struggle. In ways that you and I can hardly imagine, Jesus Christ himself experienced this struggle. I mean, you talk about somebody with problems, Let me give you just a snapshot of this, okay? On the night before Jesus was crucified, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's struggling. Now, this is a reality and a truth that escapes every theologian and every scholar. No one can fully explain the reality of the fact that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. He is fully God, fully human, all in the same person. That just blows circuits in my brain. I don't know how that's possible, but we know it's true. And here in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus in the human side so very clearly. Jesus, because he was God, because he was divine, knew what was gonna happen to him the next day because he knew the future and he knew that he was gonna be crucified and he knew that the day had come for him to show that he was the savior of the world. He knew what was coming and because he knew that, The human side of him was struggling because he was human. And he prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Not, Not because he didn't want to die for us and not that he didn't love us, but because he knew what was coming. I don't know if I could do this. Is there another way? Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Yet, it's in the yet where we find trust. It's in the yet where we see dependency. In the yet is where you are. In the yet is where I am. We live in that yet, in that space in between. The knowledge that God could do anything. And yet, here's what we're dealing with. So we're in between and we're living in that yet. Learning to trust our Way through whatever problem it is we're facing. And I want to give you something that I believe will help reduce the frustration that you feel with life and specifically with God because, see, it's your problems that push you to God, it's pushed you to prayer, and there's frustration because God's not fixing and God's not taking it away, and you're living in that yet. It's so frustrating. This will help when you and I realize that prayer is not just about God fixing our problems, but it's mostly, mostly about God forming, shaping, doing an inner work inside of people. That's what prayer is mostly about. Not just about fixing There's a bigger purpose, and the bigger purpose is forming me, shaping me. Remember, I'm eternal, you're eternal, we last forever, and so God's greater work is in us, not just fixing the temporary things around us that will eventually become problems again. I mean, there's always problems one after another. And so his greater work is shaping us, not just solving our issues. Prayer is not twisting God's arm to get him to do what you want him to do. It's submitting to the greater work of him, forming us and shaping us into the image of his son more and more and more. Now, I don't know about you, I personally prefer God fix my problems than to form and shape me. Sign me up for fixing problems. That's what I want. In fact, that's probably the reason why you and I started praying about that problem to begin with, is we started with, why? Why is this this happening? And God, could you please help this? Could you help? God, help fix this. Take this away. Alleviate this issue. That's probably why most of us prayed to begin with only to discover that there is a greater purpose. Not just fixing, but forming and shaping. And again, it makes me say why even more and help even more, but that's what I need most and what you need most is for us to become aware of the inner work, the inner work. Not just about fixing stuff, but it's about forming people. As a side note, if prayer was just about God fixing our lives and and making our problems go away, wouldn't that turn God kind of into a pawn? Yeah, more like a glorified genie. Yeah, it would. But see this thing about trusting your way through it helps us understand that prayer is intensely relational. Yeah, it, it's much greater than fixing stuff, it's forming people. And let's say you're still not quite sure, I don't even know what to say, I don't know what to do, I got this problem, and all I feel is why, and all I should say is help, and that's perfectly fine, but maybe this will help. If you're intimidated by prayer, or if you're new to prayer, or if you think, no, I got prayer down, I pray all the time, still, this will help bring a focus. Get your problem, go to God, And do this. Pray like this. It really can be this simple. God, this is my problem. I need you. And I trust you. Please help me. How's that for prayer? You fill in the details. You fill in the blanks. God, this is my problem. Tell God what your problem is. Not because he doesn't know, but there is something so therapeutic and healing in just getting it out. Here's where you and I have permission to vent and vent and take it to God and just lay it all out. Just tell him everything. You say, I can't say that to God. Why not? You're thinking it. And he knows your thoughts. Nothing comes out of your mouth that is a surprise to your heavenly father. Nothing. So vent, get it all out. This is my problem and I want to know why and I don't understand why and this isn't fair and I didn't see this coming and why them and why me and why not and you just just pour out your heart. I'm telling you, if you read the Psalms, you see David doing this time and time and time again. King David gave us this example just pouring out his heart to God. God, where are you? It seems like you've abandoned me and my enemies are about to kill me and the people who hate you are prospering and I'm running for my life and he's just, just venting. This is my problem. I need you. I need you. Not because he doesn't know that you need him but because it's just something powerful about expressing that. Dependency. I need you. And I trust you. I'm trying to trust you. I'm trying. I'm trying to trust you. I'm trying to learn because that's what trust is, right? Trust is, right? Trust is depending and trying and, and, and then realizing, okay, I didn't do a very good job at that. I'm going to try again. I'm going to trust again. And it's yes and no and yes and no. It's that back and forth. It, it's, it's that vacillating between God, I can't. No, I, got, I think I got this. I think I got this. No, I don't. God, help. And it's, it's just that back and forth. Learning how to trust your way through it. Try this. Maybe it'll help. Sometimes prayer is just why. Sometimes it's just help. But your problems are going to push you there. And that's a good thing. Maybe that's where you are right now. A couple weeks ago, I was kind of processing mentally some things that I'm facing, problems I'm facing in my life. And I got, I got a text from someone. You know, there, there are people, certain people in your life that have been in your life for a long period of time that, that are a constant source of encouragement to you and have been for years. I hope you have people in your life like that. I mean, I don't have a lot of people in my life like that, but I have a few I have a few that, I mean, throughout the years, they've just been a constant source of encouragement. And so I got a text from one of them. My mom. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? My mom, for, for years, just, we have a, such a strong bond. A lot of it because of not just the mother-son relationship, but because of what we've survived together, what we endured in the growing up years. You know, parents, you have that sixth sense. You ever have that sixth sense that something's up with one of your kids and you're not quite sure what's up and they haven't said anything to you, but you know, you can just, and it's not that they've said anything and it's not that you've even seen them. You've just felt something shift in the universe and you're like, something's up with my kid. So I get that text from my mom and she's like, "Um, are you okay? I'm like, well, yeah. And she's like, really, or something like that, as if to know, uh, ah, you're not snowing me, son. Something's up. Evidently, she was praying or something. and <laughs> Just felt like, you know, just one of those, hey, God, God impressed upon me to check up on you. What's going on? And so we text back and forth a little bit. That's common in our life. But then she sent me a verse of Scripture My mom texted me a verse of scripture. Let me be more clear. My mom texted me her pastor's son a Bible verse. (laughs) I'm a pastor. Don't text me no Bible verse. I I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's exactly what I needed. Here's what she texted me. A verse that she took completely out of context. From the prophet Joel, in the Old Testament, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Well, I get this text. And I'm like, I know that. <laughs> I, know that. I know that, and that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing, and that get, and it frustrated me. God, this is what I've been doing calling on you. And you told Joel, I know, I know the context. I know what's going on in in Joel's life. And I understand that I'm not in Israel and I'm not thousands of years ago. And I know my problems are different, but you did it for him. Come on, fix this, change this, deliver me from this. You feel that? And then she sent me another text. And this one was a longer text. It was a quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was a great preacher of the late 19th century in England. Maybe you've heard that name before, Spurgeon. Great man of God. Who wrote a commentary based upon Joel 2, 28. And this is what Spurgeon said. And this is the quote that mom sent me. Because we just read, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord He will be delivered, right? Whosoever means me, Spurgeon said, for it means anybody and everybody who calls upon God. I will therefore follow the leading of the text and at once call upon the glorious Lord who has made so large a promise. That's a big promise, isn't it? My case is urgent. Is your case urgent? but many of you feel like your case is urgent. I was feeling in that moment and still do. That problem that I was going through, I'm still going through, I'm still facing it. My case is urgent and I do not see how I am to be delivered. Feel that? Since that, I don't see. And people say, I don't see how this is gonna work out. I don't see how this is gonna get any better. I don't see it, I don't see it. But this is no business of mine. He who makes the promise will find ways and means of keeping it. Now watch this. It is mine to obey his commands. It is not mine to direct his counsels. I am his servant, not his solicitor. I call upon him. That's my role. And he will deliver. That's his. I will call upon him. That's our place. And he will deliver. That's his. And sometimes he delivers us from and fixes things. That's great, isn't it? But most of the time, there's this journey of trusting your way through it. And he delivers us through. That's hard. Living in the yet. The yet. Maybe that's where you are. And all you can eke out is a why or a help. Well, let me give you another word. To pray. Did you know that Jesus' name means salvation? Literally, his name means salvation. And when you and I speak the name of Jesus, we are speaking about the salvation of God. When we believe on the name of Jesus, we are believing and trusting in the salvation of God. When we call upon the name of Jesus in prayer, we are calling upon the salvation of God. And could it be that that's what you need to pray today is simply one word. Maybe you've, you've whied yourself crazy and you've helped all you know to say help. And you're, you're at the point now where you just pray Jesus, Jesus. I learned this from my wife, Donna, who is a tremendous woman of prayer. And through the years, I've heard her not know exactly what to pray for or how to pray or even so exhausted without the strength to pray. I've heard her pray one word time and time again. I've heard her say Jesus. I've heard her pray prayers where she just said one of our daughter's names and then Jesus. And that was it. And that was enough. I've heard her call some of your names, and then Jesus. Maybe right now that's all you got. Maybe that's all you can do. Is just like I don't know, what I'm doing. just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's salvation. Let's do that. Let's start now, Father. Here we are, your kids, lots of problems, so many problems. We want to know why, sometimes that's all we can say. and you'll accept that, you'll take that. Sometimes help is the most eloquent thing we know to say, and you'll take that, you accept that, you meet us there at the point of help. But Father, may we never forget that Jesus is our salvation. And we can come to you in the name and with the simple name of Jesus. So I don't know what problems my friends are struggling with, but we pray the name of Jesus over these things. We pray the name of Jesus, not because it's some formula, but because it is our hope as we learn to trust our way through it. Jesus, we believe. You, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.